0: you're listening to the CXMH podcast. CXMH is a podcast at the intersection of faith and mental health.
1: Hey, welcome back to CXMH. My name is Dr. Holly Oxhandler and I am joined as always by my lovely co-host Robert Voor. Hey, Robert.
2: Hey, Holly. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing all right. How are you doing today?
2: I'm good. I'm a little tired. We were just talking. It's uh, kind of we're recording in the post-lunch hour, right? Where maybe my energy level drops a bit. That's all right. I'm excited and having conversations like this are always uh, energizing for me. So I'm excited. That's
1: awesome. Yeah. That little afternoon slump. I totally (laughs) get it. Yeah. Well, I'm super excited for today's conversation as well, in part because of who we have on for a guest, but also because I know that both of you have background in music. So I'm really excited to hear how this all ends up going. But um, <laughs> today we have Dr. Meredith Height estevez on. And she is a coach, educator, writer, and oboist. Um, through her workshops, her award-winning podcast, Artists for Joy, and her one-to-one coaching, she is a spiritual space maker for artists leading thousands in various fields to creative recovery. And I can totally attest to the good work she does in this area. So Dr. Estevez has performed with top orchestras and holds degrees in oboe from the Juilliard School and Yale School of Music. She is also a certified start with heart facilitator. She lives in Metro Detroit, Michigan, with her husband, Reverend Edwin Estevez, and their two children. She's also the author of the forthcoming book, The Artist's Joy, a guide to getting unstuck, embracing imperfection, and loving your creative life. Meredith, thank you so, so much for coming on the show today and welcome. Thank you,
0: Holly. Thank you, Robert. I'm honored to be here.
1: Yeah, we're, we're so, so excited to have you on in for today's conversation. Is there anything that we missed in your fancy bio there? <laughs> <laughs>
0: no I, I i joke it always makes me tired when people read my bio i'm like wow i'm exhausted already just by listening to <laughs> what all the things i do it's 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 great if you don't have somebody reading your bio to you every now and then i would recommend you do that because it's, it's like you know what <laughs> and i'm a mom you know oh, i do a lot yes. i do a lot of stuff and so yeah if you're ever feeling down just have somebody read your bio and realize i have done a lot of things <laughs> amen yes you That's have fair. amen <laughs>
1: Well, there are several different directions that I have thought about of where I want to go in today's conversation because I know like you were just alluding to, you are a very busy woman doing a whole lot of things to serve a whole lot of people. And for that, I am so grateful and I'm I'm excited for our listeners to get a taste for the different things that you do that you offer to others. But I know that since we could go in a million directions, we We probably also couldn't given, you know, the limited time that we have, but I would love to start with one of the first ways in which you and I connected. Um, I know that was through a writing group, but then that also spurred into me learning about this group that you offered with The Artist Way. So I'd love to start there for you to tell our listeners a little bit about this offering a service that you do and your heart behind it as a way to serve
0: others. Sure. Well, the, the Artist Way is a book by Julia Cameron. It's one of the top-selling self-help books of all time, actually, and I can't remember how many millions of copies it's sold now. But it was mm-hmm. a book that changed my life, and so that's where I really began my work with that book. Was when I, and this is all in my book, so you can you can check that out. But I was standing on the street corner outside of of Juilliard, holding my diploma up, smiling for my dad's camera phone back in 2013. And all I remember thinking during that photograph was, how am I supposed to do this for the rest of my life when I don't Mm. even like music anymore? Oh. So I had reached, you know, 12 years of college, a doctorate degree from one of the most competitive music schools in the world. And I had just gotten so burnt out and lost that I had completely become disconnected from the spirituality that, that is inherently in the creative process. In I had made it all about being perfect and achieving, and I just had I just reached this deep level of despair. Honestly, is what uh, it was. Yeah. And and so I many years later, after you know, sort of suffering and trying to find a career and feeling really lost, my hu- my husband gave me the artist way Julia Cameron's book. Uh, and the subtitle of the book is the spiritual path of Creative recovery, or the spiritual path of creativity as a spiritual practice, or something like that. And I was like, "Creativity is a spiritual practice." Hmm, interesting. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a longtime person of faith. I, bo- you know, was born into a family, the United Methodist tradition, and yet, you know, and I, I don't know if I ever lost my faith in God, but I had really disconnected my creative impulse from my faith hmm. and my spiritual practice. And I think that was really the crux of why I had gotten so lost. It had become about my ego and about, you know, achieving and being the best. And it hadn't and I'd lost the thread of this is something that every person deserves the right to create, inspired by their the spirit of God in them. And so Mm. that book was central in my own recovery. And my husband said, you know, you should start leading groups to help others recover and I did that. We, we were living then in uh, Wilmington, Delaware. And so I started doing that in 2017 um, outside of Philadelphia. And we were working in the in our, my husband's church. He's a Presbyterian minister. And we were leading groups at our church. And the pandemic happened in 2020, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, we, and that's when we moved everything online. And that's when it started to really blow up in terms of participation. So this cohort... Uh, that we just started this year in twenty twenty three. We have almost a thousand people. Oh on my the Zoom gosh. Call. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, and I should say a thousand people register. Um right, right. Thank right. God we don't yeah. have a thousand people on the <laughs> Zoom call or we'd probably yeah. break the internet. But <laughs> but yeah, it has been such amazing work because I've gotten to witness and to to create spaces where people who wouldn't step foot in a church or wouldn't even call themselves spiritual in some ways connect again their spirituality with their creativity and so it's been an amazing thing to witness and to be part of and to continue to recover myself because that's you know yeah it's one of those things that you never you never stop doing you always are continuing to recover so yeah that's right ooh that's that's
1: that's important I kind of want to underline that right there that's really good (laughs) yeah
2: yeah we'll use it a poll quote when we promote the episode no, I, I think that's so interesting, right? Even as, so Holly was mentioning, I think before we started that uh, I also have a background in music. My first degree was in music uh, and obviously I don't do that now. I'm working in, I'm a therapist, right? But I'm obviously not nowhere near the same level that you were, but even throughout that process, I do think that at the end of it, I was a bit, I had lost the love of like music as this creative outlet, right? Because it was such a academic almost, right? You're like trying to perfect things and- I don't know. I'm curious, even even just in how much I related to that, as you're leading the groups and walking people through, are there similar threads that you see in terms of people trying to turn creativity into uh, a, a profitable thing? Or like, do, is there kind of a similar through line that people are experiencing in terms of like, I used to love creativity as this cool expression hey. and somewhere along the way, it kind of turned into something else. Like, are there commonalities there
0: yeah well let me speak to the music piece first because i think that like you said i think music and ballet mm. and fine art painting th- these programs that are very formulaic in in the way the work happens there's technique there's skills to learn like i had to go to music school to play the oboe because i can't i mean youtube didn't exist when i was young first <laughs> of all but, but there's an a level of apprenticeship that occurs because you're learning these crafts with great history, right? And music is, is a, at its heart, a, in classical music, is a recreative art in that we take a work mm. of Bach or Beethoven or Mozart and then we work to be able to recreate it. And it's a, yeah. a beautiful thing to do because these these are beautiful works of art. But imagine if you're a painter and all you're doing is just going and trying to recreate something that Van Gogh did. Like, that would be... You would constantly be feeling like you're falling short you have this you have this image of what it should be and and it's e- really easy then to make it about the wrong things so mm. i find that a lot of people who study classical music say oh yes totally it became about being perfect or not and i couldn't i like i came to music school because i loved singing through my instrument and and now I'll, all i've been done all the teachers have done to me during this time is just find fault in me over and over mm. and over and so I think that is a real thing, and it happens a lot. And I'm sure it's not just true in creative fields, right? Um, and I think they use, I, I call it in my book, shame pedagogy, because know, we use yeah. we use shame to motivate people. Like, that's not the way it's played. That's not how we do it. That's not, you know, it's it's instead of using joy as a motivator. And so... To do, doing something for the the pure joy of it and cultivating, learning to cultivate a, cre- a creative joy in yourself. That's something that we're not taught in school to learn how to connect to that deeply childlike sense of um, creative joy that, that every kid has. Right. Uh, and we lose that. It's sort of uh, it's sort of beaten out of us, honestly, because of all the technique we learn. And, and so I love to, remind people like remember remember what you used to love as a Um. kid i mean for me it was i used to wear i used to insist on wearing leotards to school because i don't know i was going to like break dance at any moment (laughs) and i i needed and i would wait till everybody would let would leave my hometown my my house um we had this historic home in rural south carolina and i would sing show tunes at the top of my lungs in front of the mirror and and so I love in our workshops, reminding people, helping them remember who they were as a young creative person and to heal and and love that, reparent that inner artist mm. uh, yeah. to help them find joy again in, in, in the making.
1: Oh my gosh, I yeah. love
0: that. I love that. And I know from several conversations that
1: I've had with you too, like your heart in this area is just so infused in all that you do, really seeking to serve others in finding that joy and in uh, reconnecting with that you know that childlike posture and, and joy and I I'm just so grateful for your heart in this area Merida. It Really is a <laughs> thank gift. you. All. I appreciate yeah, it. For sure. Well, I know this process, you know, as we were talking about with the artist way and you you've kind of alluded to it a little bit already um and it, I know that it's been really supportive for you, both as a person of faith, as you were just talking about a moment ago, um, but also as someone who cares deeply about this practice of creativity and reconnecting with this. I know Robert, you know, he gave away that his background is in music. Uh, you know, I've disclosed on the show that my minor was in studio art. So I appreciated the nods to painting and um, and art and that in like a studio art type way. So I deeply connect with that. Um, but I want to kind of like connect this now with the book that you have coming out this spring um, that I really do want our listeners to learn about. So this book that you have coming out is called, as I mentioned, The Artist's Joy, A Guide to Getting Unstuck, Embracing Imperfection, and Loving Your Creative
0: Life. Can you tell us about the backstory behind this book? Absolutely. So this is really a collection of all the things I've been learning as a creative recovery facilitator as a uh, one-to-one coach who works, I work with with creators in all disciplines. Now, I love coaching one-to-one. I have clients that are working actors. Well, most of them are on strike right now, but oh yes, <laughs> Act- actors mm-hmm. and writers in L.A. and uh, directors of ma- major art museums in the U.S. and college professors and deans of conservatories and schools of music. And so, I love that work seeing it as making impact on the next generation of creatives by impacting arts leaders of today. And so the book is a really, it's a collection of all the coaching resources. It's really a coaching resource for that I've been collecting over the years doing this work. And um, it's a curriculum. It was designed really as a curriculum, a 15-week program that they could institute in arts, arts schools mm. And I imagined it being used a lot like the artist's way in that, you know, book groups and done in community because it has been such a restorative and amazing thing to to watch artists in community um, experience recovery. And so, yeah, it's a um, a celebration of all that I've been learning. I share stories in the book of my own recovery and also recovery of my clients and those people who've been in my workshops over the years with their permission, of course. And um, Yeah, it's it's really um, a love letter to anyone out there who, like me, was was standing on the street corner wondering, how am I going to use this diploma or why did I even get into (laughs) this in the first place? And what if my resume doesn't make sense? And where is the intersection between spirituality and creativity? I don't see it anymore. Uh, It's really it's 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 goal is to be all that. Yeah, Mm,
2: I love that. I ask this isn't in the questions we had prepared. But as I'm as I'm listening to you talk and I'm thinking about it, right? Like I know usually when we use the term creative or creativity or something, we're we're thinking of maybe more of the traditional artist type, right? Like music or art, like painting or sculpting or whatever. But I know that be, doing creative things it could be coding or business plans or architect. I mean, right? Like I don't know Research. all these sorts of yeah, right. so, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, right? So I don't know. I'm just curious if in your mind, you're thinking like, yes, uh, you know, this could be widely applicable. Or if your dream really is like, hey, pretty specifically, uh, people who are in more traditional creative things, but it could be more helpful. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I was just wondering.
0: Well, uh, it's funny that we this came up because my my podcast is called Artists for Joy. And people so often like the number one thing I hear from people is like, well, I'm not an artist, but Um, I love your podcast. Yeah. And they're like you need to change the name so the people who aren't artists feel uh feel invited and it's like i believe we're all artists because we yeah. are all at work creating our lives we make creative choices mm-hmm. every single day yep and-, and when we and i mean and i people are like like what like what to cook for dinner like what music mm. to, to to be the soundtrack of your commute how what metaphor you use to make your point uh, it is it is when you realize the the power of creativity to make your life better, you realize its power to heal your burnout, to create with your create, to connect with your creator, to feel connected to your your loved ones. I mean, it it is really if you had told me that <laughs> creativity was going to be the thing that would heal my major burnout after going to music school i, m- I might have smacked you because it's like well no it's not <laughs> this is the problem right but it's it's really true and it's not um the, the the pure sense of creative energy that is readily available to all of us in everyday life that's what i mean when i say creator creative creativity and that's what i mean when i say artists because we are all artists yeah yeah uh, i love that yeah. so so
1: much and I love to I love that you're really emphasizing the fact that this is it does affect everyone in all of these different facets of life. I mean, my husband and I were just talking yesterday about the, the layout of our house and like the the things that we have out. And like I can even imagine the creativity of like, you know, making a home and things like that with, you know, that. But also, you know, like this weekend, um, my daughter and I were, you know, she's got this new passion project of, of making candles and friendship bracelets and things like that. And just the way that it connects us with loved ones like it doesn't have to be a a business it doesn't have to be like with a certain goal but just those opportunities to connect with others and i i just i love how you really elevate that we are all creative and it it shows up in like every facet of our lives like yeah
0: yeah well and this one of those like you know in the book proposal to the publisher, you're always like, and here's who's going to read this book, and here's right. who's going to buy know. it. I know, yes. And yes. Yes. <laughs> my, my big secondary audience is everybody who's listening to this podcast people who are faith leaders and mental health providers who are interested in exploring how creativity can impact the well being of individuals and how they can support the creative, the capital C creatives, capital yeah. A artists in their lives. By helping them see the intersection between creativity and spirituality
2: that's so good i love that
0: so so good
1: well um i know i'd love to hear i mean we started talking a little bit about the book but one of the things that i really want to applaud you for and just for our listeners to get to hear this is that you have a beautiful structure to this book that musicians are going to immediately understand i am not a musician but i feel like i'm proxy to a lot of people who are musicians or, you know, my daughter who plays some instruments. And so um, it's really clear that your heart behind and your love for music comes through in this book as a whole, but especially through the structure. So you even outline how the three parts um, of this book are often found in classical music sonatas and symphonies. But you also explicitly say that, like, but this book is not just for musicians it's like that was just the framework that you used for this book. So can you talk a little bit about the structure of the book and um, and your heart behind it
0: with, with this outline and layout? Absolutely. Yeah. So anybody who's been to music school who's taken a music theory class, for example, would know a little bit about sonata form mm-hmm. and all forms in music. And I bet this has, hey, Robert's like, Rolling his I, eyes. Like, and- <laughs>
2: um, no, it's like I'm having <laughs> flashback. Yeah, I'm yeah. To, yes. All well, these
0: it, in in music theory, and and in and you can probably make this work for other art forms too. There's there's this charting of of uh, a theme. So you have, and it it's true in writing too. Like you'll find a theme, right. and then the goal of the music theorist is to follow the theme throughout an entire piece of music and watch it transform and see what happens. And so in sonata form, a particular type of of uh, formal structure in music, you start out with one theme, and that's called the exposition. You have a development of the theme where the theme is sort of broken apart and changes a lot, and then you have a recapitulation where the theme comes back in its original form and it and it finishes like it like it began in true you know non-modulatory sense. Okay, yeah, so yeah, yeah. there's some music terms in there, but just stay with me. And so <laughs> as I was studying sonata form, all these years of twelve years of college that burnt me out. I saw this beautiful metaphor for life that we, we begin, we have this deep inner theme of who we are, that we're connected to so easily as children. And then the world gets a hold of us and we go through our development. And then the work of the artist then, and of all people, is to recapitulate, is to come back to the true theme having maybe been changed by the yeah. by the world or by your mm-hmm. development um, but connecting deeply to it, your innate sense of worthiness and connection to the spiritual and so the book is divided into three parts uh, the exposition which is where we discover who we are and um, I help the reader feel confident and ready to make goals to set goals and name their values and then the middle section the development is is All those moments where the world gets a hold of you, like how do you handle rejection and how do you move beyond failure? And then the part three is the recapitulation. So how do we feel our worthiness? How do we reconnect with the innate spirituality of creativity? And then how do we move forward with a strong sense of self so that whenever we do encounter anything, we can retreat back to that main theme and really rest in who we are? Oh, my gosh. Hmm. Oh, gosh, it's so good.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Freshman <laughs> year of undergrad college, me is like ABA and whatever. you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, and I thought yeah. of that. I thought, if I want this to be used in schools, right? in art schools, what can I help how can I help students see that this stuff, yes, we have to learn all these rules. But there's something deeply resonant and true about about art that we can use then as a metaphor for finding ourselves and staying connected to that 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 main theme of me. <laughs>
2: yeah. And I, I would guess, like you said, if you uh, mapped that or if you took people from different industries or whatever, right, I'm thinking of like classic story arcs where like there's a person and there's them and then their environment or their context changes, something forces them out and they encounter a bunch of things that change them and then they get to like return to it having been changed having gone through that but like still at the court right like just having yeah. discovered their true you know i right. bet if you went across you know all sorts of domains you would go oh yes this is tracks we have some equivalent in yeah. in, a, in some capacity
0: right well and i worked with an editor at broadleaf my amazing publisher that is not a musician so it was great to have somebody like i didn't want them to speak all the music lingo because i wanted to make sure that the book was was accessible to all types of people whether or not they knew about it or not you know what i mean yeah. yeah. No, that's good. Well, that. for
1: someone who is not in the music world a hundred percent. I am I'm thankful because I definitely it did feel accessible. So and yeah. for
2: the record, you were you were learning a little bit of guitar a, that's true. a little bit ago. That's true. No, that's true. So, no, that's you know, true. Guitar just,
1: and I yeah. and I actually picked the piano back up. So okay, in fact see? my daughter, for better or for worse, she she's very good at piano and she like wants to teach me. Like she wants to like sit down and like teach me piano it's really sweet. So again going back to the way that creativity is a point of connection for people so yeah it's real sweet. So
2: That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask this right knowing your your connection to faith leaders right do you uh, how do you see perhaps I know we were talking our audience being mental health provider, mental health care providers, faith leaders, other people right. But how could you see uh, faith leaders weaving in creativity in the way they serve others or mental health care providers uh, as maybe kind of the two biggest chunks of our audience. I'm just curious if if there are ways that you see maybe those two uh, groups of people like weaving creativity back into how they're serving people.
0: Well, I think that there's my husband and I, he's a PCUSA pastor. And I think we're always having conversations about how classical music and the, the, big C church are sort of in a familiar moment in time that <laughs> there are both sort of, we have a, we have an opportunity to explore how our relevance and why it matters and to share that with people uh, and to make a case for why, what we, why we believe what we're doing matters. And so I feel that when we creativity offers us so much play, when we're able to invite people to play, uh, it is a really powerful way to I- impact their overall feelings of well-being, belonging, um, wor- deep worthiness. When we create atmospheres for people to feel they belong and that they can play freely without feeling judged, and so I think in, and I think we tend we tend to make religion dogmatic and when we can create spiritual places that are truly accepting and inclusive um, and invite people to play there Mm. um and Mm. it it can just be a really powerful way to connect and for people to go deeper with their faith without having to feel like they need to have all the answers
1: Mm -hmm. oh that's so good
0: yeah and i i mean i also think that art can inspire wonder in a lot of ways, too, and that's another gift. I think play and and wonder are are really powerful things that creativity offers. That when we when we embed the practice of inviting people to wonder, um, you know, when we look at nature and we see, you know, we we sense God's presence in in every sunset. Um, art has the power to help us wonder and feel awe as well. And so, faith leaders and mental health providers. Um, inspiring their parishioners or their clients to experience creative wonder um it's just a it's a freedom for them to access god um and to find god seeking them in a in a way that might they might not
1: oh my gosh that's so good i love that i want to i love both of those pieces but i i do want to elevate attention to that, like, you do have a background, too, in teaching and academia. So I know, you know, academics aren't the ones that are flooding to listen to this episode or, you know, to to our our podcast or anything. Um, But for those who are listening, who are maybe teachers, mentors, educators, academics, like, how do you see this weaving into their lives as well?
0: Well, I think that we, I talk a lot in the book about about um, shame and perfectionism and how um, that can impact all people um, at different stages in their lives. And I think that is a really important thing to know um, as an educator and as a parent. I mean, I find, yes, I, I catch yes. myself all the time like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm trying to shame my kids to try to get yeah. her to behave instead of instead of inspiring her through intrinsically motivating her. And so I think <laughs> that, that I really imagine my book in educational settings a lot because i know that the the habit of of using shame as a way to motivate um is something that we've been handed down from our teachers yeah. and their teachers mm-hmm. and and it's we have to make a conscious effort of empowering students as individuals to in seek their own intrinsic motivation so that then when they're out of school or when for your kid when they're out of your house you can trust that they know what matters to them and they can build a life around what's important to them. They're deeply connected to their Mm -hmm. their values. And so the book, my hope is to, it empowers people in whatever leadership positions they have to help others connect with what matters most to them and live their lives structured around those values.
2: Yeah. And that, that would have that ripple effect, right? That if, if people who are teaching right now shifted that way, right? Okay what i was handed i'm not going to use that i'm going to do this one instead then the next people at least partially wouldn't have been handed this the shame based type instruction right like so that those ripples hopefully would kind of continue outwards and and through generations right
0: that's my dream yeah and i yeah. was teaching for a while i was teaching full time in mm-hmm. the university system and i just yeah. found that in music it was just it was hard to make the ripple effect happen from inside yeah um from in a professor chair and so i decided that the, yeah. my, the greatest impact my life may have on others would be to to um, step back from university teaching full time and free that chair up for someone else and do this other work that I felt called to so oh I love that
1: I I, I love I mean I love that intentionality and I, I still think back to you had this incredible episode on burnout that I still like feel like I'm gleaning from some of the nuggets of wisdom that you offered within that episode so I think I'm gonna make sure we drop a link to that up if that's okay to, yeah, to share that um with our I'm listeners I'm scrolling right now
2: I'm, yeah the, I'm it's really find it. yep. really good
1: it was re- it was a I mean and as somebody who is in academia there was a lot of what you shared in that episode that I was like oh well, yes that is very familiar and <laughs> you know and there's a gif there are gifts and struggles in all the things so um anyways we'll we'll drop that um link um, you actually, you answered the question that we had about some of the hope of this work. Like you just, uh, you know, communicated that. So and knowing that we're pretty close on time, um, I want to create space for our listeners to follow you, find your good work and and learn more about you. So um, listener, if uh, you would like to follow along and connect with um, Dr. Meredith Haidt-Estevez, um, which I highly recommend you doing. Uh, go find her work over at artistsforjoy.org. Um, she has a podcast, as we talked about, uh, that's called The Artist's Joy. Um, we want to encourage you to go pre-order her book right now. Um, again, it's called The Artist's Joy, A Guide to Getting Unstuck, Embracing Imperfection, and Loving Your Creative Life. It is available through Broadleaf Books and we'll include the link. By the way, the cover of your book is stunning. I oh, love thank it. thank you. I just love it. So, um and then friends, if you, you want to find uh, Meredith, she's over on Instagram um, or Facebook. I don't know if there's anywhere else, but she's at Artists for Joy. I mean, Threads. Oh, we forgot to mention. I mean, let's just all the social <laughs> media yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. 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 We'll, all I'll, the st- things. I'll find so. them on.
2: I'll put them in the show notes.
1: Yeah, sounds, sounds great. great. Um, you can, if you, if you want to follow along with the show, you can connect with CXMH at CXMHpodcast.com or in any social media at CXMHpodcast.com. You can connect with Robert at robert com or on any social media at Robert Boer. You can connect with me uh, at hollyoxhandler.com or on social media at hollyoxhandler. Meredith, again, thank you so, so much for joining us and for offering your wisdom um, to our listeners and to your presence. Yeah. Are there any closing thoughts you have for our listeners today?
0: Well, I just want to thank you for having me, but also for doing what you do. I think this is a really important oh. conversation to have to inspire folks to see the intersection between faith and mental health. And I wish I wish you guys had been around when I was in school <laughs> um, to help me get to thinking about this stuff. So I, I just want to say thank you for from all your listeners. Um, you're making a big impact. So thank you. Thanks for listening to the CXMH Podcast. Want to score some major brownie points? Leave us five stars and an honest review on iTunes. Follow us on social media at CXMH Podcast and email us with questions, comments, and interview requests at cxmhpodcast at gmail.com.